Thank you for tuning in to this edition of Kingsway Podcast from Pastor Sean. You are about to hear a message from a recent Sunday service. We consider it a privilege to be on a spiritual journey with you. So take a few moments with us and allow God to inspire you today. One day to give her the whole service to preach some, amen? We've heard her husband before. We need to hear Miss Sue. And there are a few others that are on the docket for preaching this year that you may not have heard in the past. I'm looking forward to God speaking to them and bringing the word in a different way. Amen? So, look, we could end service right now, or I could open the word of God and share it with you. What would you like to do? Well, I know what Ginny wants, what the rest of you want. Amen. We have some time here, and uh, I wasn't sure how much time I'd have given all that we had to do. Um, so I asked the Lord to, to help me put something together, and I'm excited about what he did. Miss, um, um, let's see here, uh, Miss Sue would not have known this because I didn't share it with you, um, but I got this little dog up here on the screen. This is, um, this is not my dog. This is uh, a dog. Look at those eyes. I can only imagine what this dog wants, um, and so really what I wanted to present today is exactly what she said at the end there, expectations expectations. Chad told you about his seasons going in and out and him coming to a revelation that in the good seasons to enjoy them and the tough seasons to enjoy them because it's building his character. Miss Sue began to walk you through her expectations of what the doctor was setting, what her family was setting, and then expectations that she decided to set for herself. Valentine's Day is coming, guys. Yeah, it's Friday. We set expectations in our marriage. We set expectations with our children. Men, you set expectations with your wife and wives. You set expectations with your husbands and and our relationships that we're in. Friday, Valentine's Day is no different. I hope you guys are setting expectations for one another. Uh, You know, as I think about Valentine's Day, I think, just to cut this to the chase, I've done a survey. I went around and I asked some people about Valentine's Day. I asked them what they're doing for Friday, what they're doing for, you know, the, the wives and the husbands. As I asked some of my generation and older, I get these elaborate plans on what's taking place when they're getting off work and where they're going to dinner and who's watching the kids and who's watching maybe the grandkids and who's doing this and doing that, all these different things. As I asked some of the younger generation what they're doing, I was befuddled. Because when I was younger, you know, uh, I, I had all these romantic ideas, I guess, of writing letters and all these different things I did. When I asked them, most of them were like, oh, so busy, so tired. Like, I'm like, what are you doing? We're not doing much. You know, well, maybe it's finances or maybe it's just they have kids. But there's not a lot of plans going on, not a lot of expectations being set. You know, I heard some of the, the more witty ones say, well, I love my wife every day. It's good. It's good. What I want to remind you today is make no mistake. Your wife has expectations for Valentine's Day. All you men out there. And ladies, make no mistake, your husbands have expectations for Valentine's Day. It's one of those days where expectations are set. I want to talk about that, but I want to talk about in the context, you know, what we just heard today is there are expectations we have in our spiritual journeys, expectations we have for ourselves, and expectations we have for God. In fact, God has expectations for us. Are you tracking? 
Expectations are a funny thing, especially in a, in a relationship, in a marriage, per se. Men, expectations, here's the secret. They're there, and it's your job to discover them. It's your job to ask and to care and to want to know and to help understand your wife's expectations or your significant other's expectations. I'll tell you something, ladies. It's a lot easier if you share the big picture with them. I don't know what this dog wants right now, but when I look at the big picture, I can meet this need here. The dog wants food. You see, ladies, we got to share the whole picture. Sharing your expectations with your husband or sharing your expectations for Valentine's Day is like 80% of you getting actually what you want on Valentine's Day. Man, it's your job to ask the questions and to find out what you need to do for your wife, what your wife wants. It goes both ways. You guys should be sharing your thoughts and feelings back and forth, your desires, your dreams, your innermost wants with those that you love the most. It's no different with God. We need to be sharing. We're supposed to have an intimate relationship with him. Do you share your fears, your desires, your dreams with God? Valentine's Day. Why are you making such a big deal about it? Why? Because I've been married for 20 years and I've messed up so many of these. And I said, if I ever become a pastor, I'm not going to mess it up. If, did everyone get a Valentine's Day card when they came in? Like, did you get a card? Okay, it is a Valentine's Day card. I got you this card because it's unacceptable for you to say, I did not get my spouse anything. You now have something. Each of you, husband and wife, have a card. What can I do with this card? You can write something nice in the card and you can hand it to the significant other. Tell them you love them. Amen? Maybe you've already got a card. You've got plans for Valentine's Day. You can write something nice in that card and you can share it with a loved one. Maybe one of your children. Maybe one of your parents. You know, you can even write something in there more generic and share it with someone on Valentine's Day who's having a tough time. There are people who, who go through Valentine's Day and they struggle because they've lost a loved one or it's a difficult memory comes to mind and you may be aware of that. Write something in that card. In fact, you can write something in that card and just say, God loves you and give it to an unsaved loved one. So many things you could do with that card. Amen? Just please use it. Do not stay on Valentine's Day to your significant other and say to them, I have nothing. At least give them the card. Amen? What else can I write in the card? Dreams and desires. As you enter into relationships, you bring into those relationships dreams and desires and expectations. And as you get older, some of them come to pass and some begin to go to the wayside. Some become obstacles and burdens. Some you realize you may not have attained and may never attain. What do you do with those things? Do you suppress them deep down inside and just say, I guess not for me? What happens over time in your relationship, not just with your spouse, but with God? As you set expectations with him, you're on fire when you're saved about all the things you guys are going to do together. And then you look back on your life and say, I haven't done them yet. I'm in one of those valleys. I'm in one of those deep times where I have a healing that I'm not receiving. Have you forgotten me, Lord? Where are you, God? That's what I want to talk about real quick with this devotion. There is a story in 1 Samuel. You can look it up. Uh, I put it on the screen here. I'm going to run real quick through it. But it's about expectations. It's about dreams. And it's about God. 
right here. It's 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 2. You can open it up. 1 Samuel, it uh, starts with this very interesting story about a man named Elkanah. Say Elkanah. See, Elkanah was a man who had two wives. Well, there's his first problem. <laughs> the Bible doesn't really support polygamy, but back then it was an issue. Why was it an issue? Well, it was an issue because Hannah, his first wife, and he had to take on a second wife. Her name was Peniah. So it's Hannah and Peniah. And Peniah, in verse 2, said, had children, and Hannah had none. It's almost like a, a poem. You see, back then, child-rearing, uh, childbirth was instrumental. It was extremely important. Um, it, was, it was their sense of self-esteem. It was how they brought people into the world. There wasn't as many people back then. You needed to populate people for warriors and farmers, and so you needed children, particularly men, to carry on their lineage. And so to be barren was, in fact, almost considered a curse, as if they'd done something wrong. Hannah was greatly loved by Elkanah, but he took on a second wife so he could have children. He loved Hannah so much that during the sacrifices, the Bible says, he would give blessings to Peniah to take to the feasts, but he would save his best offerings for Hannah so Hannah could take it to the sacrifice because he loved her so much. Let's keep reading. Verse 6. So Peniah, when they went to these offerings, Peniah, it says, would taunt Hannah and make fun of her because the Lord has kept her from having children. The next verse says she was actually, she was pushed to the point of tears every time she would go to the Lord in offering because her sister wife would taunt her and make fun of her. Think about this. As you go through your spiritual walk with God, as you have expectations with him, there's all sorts of perspectives you will encounter. Maybe a perspective of a relative, as you heard here, who'll take the wrong side, the wrong position, and maybe even look like they're coming against you, making fun of you, making it harder to deal with what you're dealing with. The expectations are that you're just going to live that way. You're going to live with it. You're going to be in that season forever. That's not the perspective I want you to have today. Let's see what the perspective was of her husband. Surely that was better. Verse 8, two verses later. Elkanah says, why are you crying, Hannah? Why aren't you eating, Hannah? Why be downhearted just because you have no children? <laughs> just the question itself is clearly states his point of view. Why are you down, honey? Just because you have no children. Just because you have no children. Just because. He clearly does, doesn't understand Hannah. He doesn't understand her position. Just because you have no children, he says. Her own husband doesn't understand her. Her place of esteem, provision, and protection. The joy of holding a little one. The lifelong passion she had of bringing a child into this world. And her husband says, why are you so upset? I don't get it. Unfortunately, men, it gets worse. He couldn't leave it at this. He couldn't say, let me pray for you. Let me hold you. Let me, we'll get through it together. Those are things you're supposed to say to your wife, by the way. No, no, no. This guy was like most of the guys that I know, and at sometimes I have been this guy before. Let's see what he says in the second part of verse 8. You have me. Isn't that better than having ten sons? 
What do you mean? I don't need to get you anything for Valentine's Day. I'm here. What do you mean? We don't need to do anything for your anniversary or your birthday or Mother's Day. You have all these children. You're blessed. You just have me. Don't I make you happy, honey? And it goes both ways, husbands and wives. Don't I make you happy? We don't need anything else. Her own husband thinks he's so great. That's all. He's clueless to her real hearts and desires. You see, the expectations weren't set clearly enough. She tried, but he just didn't understand. Sometimes you will share your innermost desires with those who you love the most, and maybe they won't taunt you, but maybe they just won't understand. By the way, that doesn't mean don't try. Sue shared with Pat, Pat and Sue together. You know, Chad's going through different parts in his life, he was explaining. I'm sure he shared with his wife, and my wife and I, we go through different troubles. She shares with me, and when you share, things change. I gotta share this one anecdote before I go on expectations. So I've been having dinner with my wife for the last 26 years and the last 20 living together, married in a home. And she has been making dinner for me almost all of that time. And it's been wonderful. I've gotten all these great recipes and all this great food. And I really enjoy the dinner table. You know, I have to work. I come out of work. I come to the table. We eat, we share, we pray. It's great. And after like, I don't know, uh, maybe it's maybe a couple months go by, I can notice something was off with my wife. I wasn't sure what it was. I really had no idea. I, I thought it was, she didn't think I liked the food. So I kept saying, I love the food. I love dinner. Dinner's great. Family time's great. I love it. Yeah, I couldn't figure it out. Then one day we're arguing about whatever, because that's what husband and wives do. And in the middle of the argument, having nothing to do with what we're arguing about, she says to me, maybe slips out, you don't even take your plate to the sink anymore. What? I had no idea. I have four kids. My version of this would say, I got four kids. Don't they do everything? Like, I don't know. I'm so busy with everything in my life. Perhaps I have forgotten what it means for me to clean up the dinner table because usually my sons and my daughter, they take care of so much of it. And I guess my wife noticed that and it has irritated her. And now she is correcting those expectations. It's a tough way to do it. I, there's probably a better way to do it, but we've, we've corrected that. And now all the dishes make it to the sink. In fact, I take my wife's plate to the sink now. She don't have to do that. <laughs> Expectations and being clear with them help so much. But maybe you, like Hannah, you tried with your husband. It didn't work. You tried with your sisters, your family members. It didn't work. Maybe you do. Maybe you do. What comes naturally next if you're a good, strong Christian woman or a Christian man? You go to church. You seek out the pastor. Of course, he knows what to say. Of course, he knows what to do. He'll help me in this situation. Guess what Hannah does? Hannah in verse 13. Uh-oh, too many buttons. Hannah in verse 13. She goes to the temple, and back then there was a high priest. There was one. His name was Eli. He was the most revered in the land. He was the high priest of the Jewish people, and there wasn't many of them left. He was the last one left, and he was so honored and revered. People would come to him, and, and he would bless and anoint them. So she went to the temple to pray with Eli, and so she's praying to the Lord, and Eli is watching over her, her pastor, her priest. Guess what Eli says? I don't know if you guys have read this story before. But in verse 13, Eli says, seeing her lips moving, but hearing no sound, he thought she'd been drinking. Drunk, it says. 
The next words out of his mouth were, stop drinking and get out of here. Just, just let that settle in for a second. This woman should have been bitter and for good reason. She's barren. She believes that God has withheld children from her. She has to share her husband with another woman because of the fact that her husband, her own husband, doesn't understand her problem that she's in. And now she's going to her pastor, her priest. Not only does he not understand her problem either, he doesn't even understand her solution. She's praying. Of course he would figure this one out. No, no. He thinks she's drinking. Church, there may be people in your life that will never get you. They may not understand exactly what you're going through, how you feel. I hope it is your husband. I hope it is your pastor. I hope it is your sister. It may not be one of those people. Does that mean we stop trying to set expectations with them? No. Hannah, in the next verse, set expectations with Eli and told her what the situation was. He, he goes, whoa, okay, in that case, let me bless you and anoint you. Go forward. You know what happened, church? Well, I want to share this with you. Because when you're at that point of total bitterness, when you're at that point of just everything going wrong, and I'm going to end here real soon, it's almost as if this becomes a question. Remember me? Lord, remember me? I used to get on my knees and, and pray beside my bed. Pray the Lord, my soul to keep. Lord, remember me? I, I'm the one who at the dinner table would, would put my hands together in front of my food and pray for you to bless it. Remember me, Lord? I pray for my children. Do you remember me? I'm sure all of us at one point have been like that with God. Is that the question that Hannah didn't know? See, the reason I'm sharing this is because we're on a series of the most effective prayers in the Bible. The prayer of gold. The prayer of faith. The prayer of command. This week, this week, we're turning remember me not into a question, but into an explanation, into an imperative, into a definite, the urgency. Remember me, O Lord. That is what Hannah said in the very next verse. 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 11. Lord Almighty, if you will only look on me, your servant's misery, and remember me, Lord, and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life. Let that settle in for a second, church, because that's what I wanted to tell you today. I want to tell you today to remember this prayer. As you pray to God, as you put your dossier of verses together, there are so many in Genesis and in Isaiah about remember me prayers, but this is my favorite in Samuel. Remember me. Her prayer was specific. It was very targeted. Remember me and give me a son. I will give him to the Lord. It wasn't generic prayer. It was heal me of scaloderma right now. Get me out of this season. Do something for, I don't want this pacemaker. Remember me. It was specific. And you know what else it was? Persistent. She didn't just pray at one time. She was barren for a very long time. This was a lifelong prayer. She prayed it over and over and over again. And she went to Eli and prayed it in crying. She prayed it in fasting. She was very persistent about this prayer. And finally, this is important. As you heard Miss Sue share her story of over a year, 
and your story of months or however long it was. And I can share my story. And some of us will share stories of healing and answer prayers that took a long time. Why? Why a long time? In this case, why did she wait to such, such late in life for God to do something? Because God is in the business of purifying. Sometimes. Sometimes he's purifying you. It's not his process. It's your process. You need to burn off some of the impurities of your prayer requests, not just with healing, but with other things that we ask. We just can't ask God for anything. Just give me this, give me that. You keep asking for him. After a while, the self becomes more bigger and, and more obvious than God, and that prayer becomes to become less and less important in your life. When the prayer becomes important to God because it's important to you because it's important to God, then you burn off all of that self. You burn off all of that self-agenda. And she says, not only do I want a son, I want a son to change the world. I want a son to dedicate to you. I want a son that will serve his life for the rest of his life for you. I want you to give me this son so I can give him back to you. I want to play the middleman in this picture. Are you following me, church? God has a plan, and he wants you to be a part of it. He wants your prayers, your persistent prayers to be a part of it. And I encourage you this morning to tell him to remember you. He loves you with an everlasting love. There's nothing you could do to make him love you more or love you less. The Bible says you're adopted as a joint heir into his kingdom. You are his sons and his daughters. Stand before him today and tell him to remember you. We at Kingsway hope you enjoyed this message from Pastor Sean. It was not by chance you listened to it. God is speaking to you. Visit kingswaycc.org to find the podcast from Pastor Sean. We pray today that this somehow inspired you to draw closer to God and to connect with His people, His purpose, and His power. God bless you.